0: Coming up on Money Beat, yes, there's a lot going on this week, but do not forget the Federal Reserve meets this week on Wednesday. They will tell us what they're going to do with interest rates. We have your preview. We're joined by Greg Peters, who runs Prudential's total return bond fund.
1: This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Steven Grosser.
0: Welcome to The Money Beat Show. Paul and Steve here in the studio in New York City, joined in the studio today by Ben Eisen. And, and before we even get into our guest and our topic and all those things, it, I, I just noticed this. As soon as you guys walked in, I realized the three of us all have on blue shirts with, like, grid checkerboard type. We all have basically a variation on the same shirt. which that, is just,
1: That's true. You yeah. know, this shirt is not uh, that unusual of a shirt. There's actually, like, an Instagram account. Uh, specifically tracking like people who wear this shirt, and there's just are you serious? Like, yeah, there's just pictures of 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 people after people with with the exact same shirt. It's uh, wow, it's that shirt. That's
0: a really bad Instagram account. That's terrible.
1: <laughs> following that,
0: <laughs> but it's just, it's just another sign that, that journalists dudes, are not. Dudes, dudes generally have no fashion well, sense. We I all think, wear the same I three think it's things. Mainly,
2: journalists don't have much fashion sense too. Yeah, yeah, it's probably more that. Extras from Spotlight.
0: Extras from Spotlight. That's us. Welcome to the Extras from Spotlight show. I'm Paul Vigna. Today, we are going to talk about the Federal Reserve, the Fed's Federal Open Markets Committee. Their rate-setting committee begins a two-day meeting, starts today, ends tomorrow, at the conclusion of which they will declare what? they plan to do for interest rates right now. And to help us discuss all that, I'm, trying to drum, I'm drumming up some drama here. Let's, let's pretend that we don't know what the Fed's going to do, guys, right? Uh, to join us, to help us with that, we are joined today by Greg Peters. He is the Portfolio Manager of the Prudential Total Return Bond Fund. Greg, how are you?
3: I'm very well, thank you.
0: So I really, I have to be honest, I have no idea what the Fed is going to do tomorrow.
3: Uh, well, there's not much uh, drama, <laughs> Um, no, there is uh,
0: Greg. There is. There, there, we can't yeah. let the listeners know there is there's a ton of <laughs> yeah. drama.
3: There's uh, no, but I think uh, right from a Fed perspective, you know, the reason why there's not uh, a lot of attention uh, to the Fed meeting per se is that uh, they're in wait and see mode, right? And yeah. so they have to wait for, uh, you know, uh, all the policy talk, um, you know, all the expectations around the policy talk, you know, you know whether that comes to fruition and, and what form it comes about. Uh, and so I think it uh, makes a lot of sense uh, to uh, wait and see. And now, you know, keep in mind that this is at the same time where, uh, you, you know, the labor dynamics are actually still quite positive in the U.S. Uh, you know, growth has stabilized versus last year. Maybe not at the same kind of trajectory that some some in the marketplace are forecasting, but definitely, uh, you know, has stabilized. And inflation, you know, has picked up off the bottom. So I I think the underlying trends are still very much the same, but I think they really have to wait to see uh, what the tax plan and infrastructure and other types of plans uh, uh, are put forth uh, before they decide.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you've seen investors, I think, in the first week and a half now of the Trump administration, the, a lot of the uncertainty about what policies he's going to put forth. Um, and, and that's also true of the Fed right now, right? I mean, like there's a lot of uncertainty about what policies he's going to pursue, but also what impact they're going to have and how aggressively he's going to pursue them. And so, I mean, it gets back to the point you were saying, like, that's why the Fed's in the wait and see mode.
3: Exactly, and 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 what's unique about this time, I think, is that uh, you know we're talking about uncertainty and managing uncertainty, uh, but uh, but it's amid optimism, not pessimism, uh, uh, and that's atypical, right? So typically, uh, investors view uncertainty uh, as a red light, not a green light, uh, and uh, and this is a slightly different time, and so the markets have really. Uh, run up based on uh, the optimistic uncertainty, uh, and so there 's a lot of talk about animal spirits and tipping points and all these types of things, which are extremely difficult uh, to predict, and quite frankly you don 't predict them until it 's over, uh, but it 's a very unique time and so I think the Fed uh, is uh, what is being quite rational in here, uh, you know continuing to look at the data and uh, uh, and waiting to see what happens out of Washington.
1: You know, uh, w- one thing that has gotten a little bit less attention than uh, just what, what people are going to do with short-term rates is this question of what they're going to do with their balance sheet. The Fed's accumulated uh, more than $4 trillion worth of uh, treasuries and mortgage-backed securities on their balance sheet as they did the quantitative easing program. And now um, it seems like there's just increasing chatter about, uh, you know, are they going to move to stop... Uh, growing the balance sheet by by um, slowing or stopping basically the like rolling over uh, maturing debt uh, once they get the cash back reinvesting it in more securities um, and I mean it seems like something that some Fed officials have mentioned uh, but curious to get your take Greg um, you know w- what do you think is going to happen there and and um, you know how could it affect the market.
3: That's a dirty little secret. Um, So there's been so much talk around the Fed uh, setting interest rate policy. uh, But the ultimate tool in their toolkit right now um, uh, is their balance sheet. And so when we think about, uh, you know, the Fed in a more holistic way, uh, you know, we think the balance sheet uh, uh, is a a tool that's being ignored to a large degree up until recently. Uh, And so the consensus has been, uh, you know, the Fed needs to move, you know, several more times before Uh, before uh, they start pondering, uh, uh, you know, moves on the balance sheet. Uh, And what I still think that's right. So there's the interplay between uh, them moving rates higher uh, uh, before the balance sheet uh, uh, changes occur. Uh, And so we do think that does happen. Uh, And, in fact, you know, that's why we have a a more muted view on the rate path than some others in the marketplace i'm not sure they're properly uh, calibrating the uh, impact of of uh... you know their balance sheet and so um, y- you know i think after two three rate hikes uh... which in our estimation is uh, uh... this year next year type of time frame uh... that's when they start uh... you know rethinking their balance sheet uh, and so, stop the reinvestment uh, uh, you know, we don't see selling outright at this point, uh, but stop the reinvestment. And, you know, that has a real impact on financial conditions uh, and is a, a real form of tightening.
1: And how, how does that differ then, then from, like, uh, actually raising short-term rates?
3: Well, so the impact, so the reason why they embarked on this journey initially is because they ran out of room uh, in terms of cutting rates. Uh, and so they definitely have the zero bound policy, and so the balance sheet acts as a a, a similar uh, uh, you know effect. And so uh, so it's hard to ascertain really what the right relationship is at 25 basis points per uh, you know x billion dollars. I don't think we have that granularity, uh, but we do know it's a real tool uh, to uh, to uh, uh, you know take stimulus out of the system if they start to reduce it. Uh, so. Uh, so we know it has an, uh, an effect, but we're not sure the exact effect. Uh, but uh, but it has to be factored in.
0: Let's uh, Let's take a break. We have an important message for you. We will come back with more. Greg Peters and the Fed.
2: Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world.
1: Immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. As a podcast listener, enjoy
2: 20% off current ticket rates with code PODCAST. Visit wsj.com slash f-o-e-f podcast to secure your spot.
3: Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app.
1: WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show.
0: Welcome back to The Money Beat Show. Paul Steven and Ben Eisen here in the studio in New York City. And on the phone, Greg Peters, portfolio manager of the Prudential Total Return Bond Fund. We are talking about the Fed and, uh, you know... uh, you want to go first, Grosser? Well, I just wanted to. Can I do my add, little promo no, no, about yeah, the other podcast? Because we do have other podcasts that the There's listeners There's nothing might I'd like to do better in, than and interrupt I like to, you. I know. It's really It's. It's. I, I – got to tell you, I find it I find it quite, quite annoying. I just like literally – I'm going to complain. I
2: just literally flicked
0: my finger. That threw you all off. <laughs> I'm going to complain to Wurlock. I don't know if I can work with you that's under these conditions anymore. I'm sorry. It's just it's – just. hey, folks, listen. If you want more great podcasts from The Wall Street Journal, <laughs> you can check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at WSJ Podcasts. You can so you can subscribe. You can subscribe subscribe to us, and then all these things will come right to you. They come to you, your phone, your tablet, your laptop, whatever whatever your mobile device is these days. You can subscribe on iHeart Radio, Amazon Echo, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, your Google Play Music app. We are, like I said, we have Greg Peters from Prudential on the line talking about the Fed. The two-day FOMC meeting starts today. Tomorrow we'll find out what the Fed intends to do about interest rates right now and what they think about the economy. And uh, my my co-host Stephen Grosser has a, a question for Greg, I believe.
2: Well, you hit on this a little bit, but one of the things that we st- struck us in- is interesting was, like, you guys have a contrarian view on the path of uh, rate uh, hikes, and I was just wondering if you can talk to us about, you know, why you think that the Fed will end up uh, not raising rates as aggressively as many think they are.
3: So, we don't believe that the economy is nearly as strong as, uh, as the consensus at this point. Uh, 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 and I mean the optimistic consensus, and so if you just think about kind of the uh, trend line growth uh, uh, it 's been um, you know bumping around kind of two percent um, uh, and so if you factor in uh, as a base case uh, the more optimistic uh, uh, outcome of some of the uh, administration policies uh, you 're talking about in our estimation at least two tenths of one percent uh, uh, increase the growth to this year and four tenths next year. Hmm uh... and so you know that's not a game changer in our view right uh... and right. and and so you know i guess we don't see the same kind of um, uh... expansionary policy leading us to a much higher plane Um, you know that's the first thing uh... you know the second is that if you look at uh... the inflation side of the equation uh, you know the you know, the move up inflation is uh, in inflation is largely due to the uh, the doubling of energy prices and so if we go back to a year ago uh, you know the uh, the global marketplace uh, was in a, a very bad place just due to the cratering of energy prices uh, and so uh, mm-hmm. you know that's uh that's rebounded and that is drawing on uh, you know inflation you know forces higher um, uh, and so i uh you know you think about that and then you know just on the labor side so the labor market has actually been uh, in reasonably good shape in the US for quite some time so unemployment continues to tick down uh, uh and uh you know we're getting closer to uh fuller employment at the same time however we still think there's slack in the employment market uh and so we think uh you know Nehru's lower um, you know we uh, you know we look at the employment population uh, ratio, the, the participation rate, uh, it still seems to us that there's ample room uh, there. And so we don't see the same kind of tightness uh, uh, in the labor market. So you put this all together, um, uh, coupled with um, higher rates, dampens growth, stronger dollar, dampens growth. Right. Uh, it seems like we're, uh, uh, you know, we're still very much uh, you know, at the same plane that we were before. Slightly higher, but not dramatically higher.
0: Yeah, you know, and uh, Nehru, for for any listeners out there who may not be, we not talking about uh, Nehru jackets. Nehru is an acronym, <laughs> the Non-Accelerating Inflation Rate of Im- Unemployment. And, you know, I, it's interesting you mentioned all this, Greg, because I, so on Tuesday morning, we got the Employment Cost Index for the fourth quarter. And you look at the... You look at the wages component, you could see it was, I think it was 2.2% overall, 2.3% private sector for the year, right, for 2016 over 2015, which doesn't sound bad. It's only slightly better than it was in 2015 when it was, I think it was 1.9% overall. But you look at the inflation rates and the overall inflation rate in 2016, like you said, it doubled from 2015. So not a lot of wage growth, inflation coming up. Uh, you know, and I think I, I've been banging the drum on this forever, Greg. So, you know, I just think wages are not growing as much as people think they are. And I think that is going to be a fundamental collar on how fast this economy can grow. And when you see wage growth that is this punk with unemployment this low, it just again, I, to, to get to your original point about economic, about growth, Greg, I still don't see the catalyst that is going to drive this economy substantially higher. I just i just don't i don't think you know that's me whatever i'll let it go there
3: so or no i and, and what 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 that's our uh view uh yeah. quite frankly and simply um and so you know the distribution has shifted though so if you just go back uh, to this time last year the fear was all to the downside right mm-hmm. uh, um and 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 so that downside risk has changed uh and now we're talking about more upside so the shift in the distribution uh, around uh, the U.S. economy uh, has shifted. And I think that's important. What, what does but, that mean exactly, the shift in the distribution when you say that? Meaning that you know, we were so worried about the U.S. falling into recession mm-hmm. this time last year and no one saw any potential for upside. So there was no upside, it's more downside. Now it seems like the downside over the near term uh, is much more muted and, uh, and people feel more emboldened by the upside. So just... Uh, uh, feeling better basically yeah. versus you know this time last year so uh, so i think that's important uh... but at the same time if you take a lot of these policies uh... at face value what we worry about is the reintroduction of uh the business cycle so uh... so let's say you do simulate growth here over the near term uh... albeit modestly uh... uh you know what goes up you know has to come down and so mm-hmm. And so, you know, what we took comfort in over the past few years or so has been kind of this moderate economic view uh, where we didn't really fear so much of a hard recession. But if you stimulate and simulate and simulate, then uh, then the downside risk becomes that much more meaningful. So, um, you know, that's a big change, I think, and an important one when you think about the business cycle here in the U.S.,
1: I mean, just to sort of bring in uh, kind of like the market action of recent months and what investors seem to be uh, signaling about what to expect from a Trump presidency and policies um, that get enacted. Um, I mean, it seems like more and more uh, there are signs that that people this this sort of uh, rise in, in growth and inflation that are expected uh, you know over the next few years, um, if they do come to pass, are sort of short-term in nature, which um, maybe speaks to what you're saying about. Um, you know per- perhaps we do get like like a stimulus induced growth uh but then what happens after that um is is there a sense i mean what what is your sort of outlook for uh uh for for, for what happens on the policy front
3: so that's uh, clear as mud at this point so i'm not sure we have <laughs> a lot of clarity there at all uh but the incentive it seems to be uh you know less regulation um uh you know, different types of tax reform. It's unclear to me what, uh, what the net benefit ultimately will be. Um, uh, and infrastructure, which I haven't seen, uh, you know, anything additional on. Uh, so uh, the truth is, I don't know. Um, uh, but there seems to be a clear bias uh, uh, towards tax reform, deregulation, uh, and, uh, and infrastructure. Um, you know, but we'll see. But I've seen a lot of uh, investors talk about uh, just just deregulation alone and what a boost it is to the overall U.S. economy just seems somewhat um, overstated in my view. So I think it's a net positive, but I'm just not in the camp that it's as positive as some people are forecasting.
0: You, you know, talk about the market action, because uh, I think this is interesting, since basically the middle of December, right? You, you look at December 13th, is when the the post election rally really I got to say kind of stopped the, the dow closed that day at 19911 it is now under that level uh on December 15th the 10 year yield was at 2.60 and everyone was saying this thing's going to 3 and at the bond the bond the bond bull market is over all the today now currently it's at about 2.44 when you look at that 2.44 number greg i mean what what is that what should people take away from that? What is that telling you?
3: I think, um, you know, there's been a overreaction uh, on the bond side uh, after the election. If you look at just the night of the election, when uh, when market players started to realize that uh, there was going to be a surprise, uh, the 10 year hit uh, 170. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not suggesting 170 is the right level, but I just wanted to put it in context. And then it quickly moved to 270. So there was basically a 100 basis point rise in a very short period of time based on um, uh, the belief that, uh, uh, you know, all the policies would be stimulative. Uh, And so that seemed overdone to us. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And so, you know, a 245 type of zip code, you know, seems much more reasonable to me. But I still think the bias is towards uh, rates you know remaining on the low side. So I I, I don't believe that uh, we're in a an environment where rates can really escalate uh um, in a meaningful way uh mm-hmm. higher. Mm-hmm. Uh if you look at just US rates uh, versus other rates uh globally, uh it's extremely attractive. If you factor in the longer term view around demographics, uh you know that is important as well. Yeah. Um, and so it just seems to me that um, you know there is this cap on rates, and quite frankly i 'm not convinced that the overall economy can handle uh, a much higher rate environment so and so I think it 'll be choppy uh, but uh, but i don 't see ten uh, year yield for example breaking out uh, past three hmm. percent
2: i guess is, is there a scenario where you can see sort of the, some of the policies? You know, um, being so st- stimulative enough to force the Fed's hand and have them move quicker than even they expected.
3: Well, you know, I perhaps you know, you know, perhaps, but uh, but I think uh, you know, let's take infrastructure spending as an example. I think that that could uh, you know on the margin uh, force them to be slightly more aggressive. But the Fed knows better than anyone that uh, that what you see from a growth perspective. But the big infrastructure spend um, is a mirror effect uh, subsequent. So what uh, you know that benefit goes away very quickly in subsequent quarters. Um, uh, and so uh, you know I think they would look through that to a certain degree. Um, uh, but you know tax reform is something that could uh, could propel uh, you know them as well, depending on how it's formulated. So uh, you know I think they are uh, quite vigilant here. Uh, 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 and I think uh, while they're biased to raise rates, I I think uh, they will be patient at the same time.
0: We have been speaking with Greg Peters, who is portfolio manager of the Prudential Total Return Bond Fund. Tomorrow, well, I should say Wednesday, uh, we will find out what the Fed plans to do.
2: I just had one final Wednesday. question. You did okay. When when Janet Yellen's term comes up, I mean, is that also does that change the uh, rate path? or uh, in your, in your guys' view?
3: Once again, completely uncertain.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh,
3: <laughs> but the uh, but the platform uh, that President Trump ran on was one of higher rates. Uh, but I think uh, you know, running on a platform of higher rates and then trying to simulate an economy to a new growth plane uh, uh, is a different story. So right. I am not convinced that... Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the current administration really wants rates to be meaningfully higher. Um, but
1: but did they really run on a on a platform of higher rates? I mean, uh, well, a he's platform. well, he wasn't. He's saying there. higher, but, right, right, but he, right. right. But, but, but but he also said the opposite um, that <laughs> that low rates were good, and and um, he is the debt king, right? So uh, one might one might suppose that perhaps he likes lower rates. I mean, I guess I guess the I guess the but point is being that it highlights the fact that we really don't know. Well,
2: yeah. and right, and he did, you know, consistently criticize the Fed and yeah. the Fed policy for keeping low rate, you know, rates artificially low. Right, right. I mean, well, I think your points well, are all correct, though. Too. Right. It's just right,
1: right. But I guess we just don't know. We'll have yeah. to wait and see. That's what makes twenty seventeen so interesting?
0: Uh, Greg Peters, listen, thanks a lot. We appreciate the time.
3: Thank you very much.
0: All right, everyone, take care, and. we'll I'm I'm done. I'm done. You're done. done. Okay. Uh, Everyone, hey, listen, thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate it, and we'll catch up with you very soon.
1: WSJ Podcasts Listen Ambitiously.